Welcome back to Double Feature, the IDS film podcast where the powers that be let us in a podcast booth to give you hot takes and maybe some lukewarm ones, too. I'm Chris Forrester. I'm Annie Aguiar. And we have no guests this week except for Michael Myers' spirit. Oh, God. Don't say that. (laughs) In 1978, John Carpenter revolutionized the slasher horror subgenre with his classic, Halloween. In 2018, after sequels, remakes, remakes of sequels, and sequels of remakes, things finally make sense in Haddonfield. Again. Now things are back to the beginning with a definitive sequel to the original simply entitled Halloween. On today's episode of Double Feature, we're talking Halloween, Halloween, and why we love them both. <laughs> Halloween is a great movie. And I don't have to specify which one of them I'm talking about because Ooh. they're both great movies. I do fuck? have to say, I'm not talking about the Rob Zombie remake that says, what if Michael Myers went crazy because people called him the F-slur too many times? That's dumb. Yeah. I we don't think, like that movie. I think the big problem with the Halloween franchise is them trying to dress it up more than they need to. It's them trying to explain something that's scary because it's unexplained. Yes, there you go. They try to create Michael Myers into this like mythic terror, but he was always so scary because you it was just a, a dude. dude who was evil. Yeah. And that's all. That's like, so scary and so impossible to truly cope with. Mm-hmm, that just pure evil exists and just in terms of like philosophy, that is a core one you have to accept if you're going to like take away from this movie like what the movie wants you to. And it's not one I agree with, but I'll roll with it because, oh my God, we, me and Chris watched the first Halloween movie last night again because we rewatched, oh no, yeah, we rewatched the first one last night and we watched the new one this past weekend and oh they're both so excellent i have a weird relationship with the original halloween and that it's one that i've sort of grown i started out thinking this is fine Mm -hmm. and then i kind of developed an admiration for it but it honestly wasn't until the most recent time that i watched it that i was really like this is an exceptional movie i feel like because it gets lumped in with the other like horror big shots of the time like when you think Michael Myers, you think like Jason, you think Freddy, and you don't really get to appreciate the movie for itself because like in addition to being a genuinely terrifying movie, it's just such a good film. It's so simple. Yeah. And I think that's what none of the sequels understand and no other horror movies of the time really understood either. I mean, this movie has such a simple and meaningful visual language to where there'll be a shot with an out of focus shoulder in the foreground and you tense up and you are scared and it doesn't always call attention to things it just knows that the viewer is attentive enough to notice there's a car behind them for the last five minutes and that's michael myers driving it and then you're scared there's that and then there's also like because of that training that the movie does for you you were paranoid you think every car could be him. You yeah. think every shape could be him. Yeah, you're, every single shot of this movie after Michael Myers escapes, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> if you didn't know. If you didn't know, Michael Myers gets out. But <laughs> every single shot after 
that, you're searching the frame. You're scouring every corner, every shadow, thinking, like, am I going to see that face? The shape. The shape. Let's talk about the face, actually. This is, for those who don't know, a William Shatner Star Trek mask painted white. God. But I I love that so many things from this movie have become iconic. And I think it's one of the dumbest things that it's a William Shatner mask. But... The mere fact that when you see that mask, you you don't think William Shatner, you think Michael Myers, because it became such a well. It also image. doesn't look like I know. William Shatner. I know, but like that mask is never going to be seen as a William Shatner mask. But I think if you if you compare that to like other slasher villains, the one I'm thinking is Jason, who wears this like hockey mask. This is more iconic and scarier because it's a human face, but it's like stoic and emotionless. Yes. It looks human and human or and inhuman simultaneously. Yeah. Which is perfect for Michael Myers because he's sort of this character who like you have to accept as human, but you don't want to accept he's human because that means acknowledging that a human being is capable of having no drive except to just kill. I mean, he's human and inhuman at the same time. I said that. I know, but you didn't say that exactly. I'm just Yeah, because I stuttered. Well, stop stuttering. No, 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 no. (laughs) I, okay. We've done, we've talked enough about Michael. We need to talk about the true star. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Watching this again last night and seeing the credit slide introducing Jamie Lee Curtis. I was just like, yes. It's so exciting. She's so good. She's so smart. Laurie Strode is so smart. Yeah. And that's something that this movie nails. Yeah. Horror protagonists need to be smart because we, innately we'll just stop rooting for them if they're dumb because it's like i'm not going to invest myself in a character who's going to go into the dark basement where you know that the serial killer is. yeah i feel like with a lot of horror protagonists in worst movies it's kind of like you mean friday the 13th well if you let me finish talking i'll tell you what i meant okay (laughs) it's like you have to root for the protagonist because there's the they're the protagonist and who else are you going to root for you know, which is why a lot of people I feel are drawn to bad guys. Yeah. But in this, like, you are actively rooting for Lori. You want her to win. You want her to survive because she's smart and she's tough. And I would die for her. Yeah. And I think that that's something that this movie does really well, that the sequels all failed, which is just having a small cast of characters and really only one focal point. Yeah. I mean, there there's her friend group, but it's clear that she's always the focus. She's always the one who's being stalked. And mm-hmm. that's so simple and scary. The the reason that she's stalked oh, is God. just that she goes and leaves something on the porch of his house. God. She just walks up there and he sees her and decides I'm going to stalk her and kill her. Yeah. Well, it's the whole thing of like strode realty and they're selling the myers yeah, yeah, house yeah. or whatever but like but it's just that circumstance yeah. and that's just so frightening when you you know end up putting yourself in her shoes thinking like he has he just, just has this fixation that's just utterly random yeah and as we see in the newest halloween that we're not going to jump to talking about quite yet that the fact that that fixation goes to define laurie strode's life yeah and is built up into this massive conflict in her mind because she needs to build it up into this defining, you know, war between the two 
and not accept that it's just random and yeah. things just happen. Well, that, that contrast is the reason that I think the new Halloween understands. Yes. It's the only Halloween film that understands why John Carpenter's is a nearly perfect movie. It's because it turns this conflict into a woman who can't accept that this random killing was not a planned targeted attack. It was just an evil being who mm-hmm. is purposeless beyond the desire to kill in his hometown. And it wasn't anything to do with her. Before we pivot finally from talking about the first Halloween, uh, a couple of the things I wanted to say. Uh, her outfits are always matched to the color schemes. Yes. And the shots in this are just so are really pretty. pretty. And I just really appreciate that it's a horror movie, but it's also just like a good film. Yeah, this is not a horror movie or a horror flick. This is a horror film. Yes, horror film. I hate people who like try to pretend that there's a distinction, but there kind of is. This is a horror film. Yeah, we talked about it a bit earlier and just how well this movie does in terms of training you to know and be fluent in its visual language. But it does that so iconically well through this to the score. I was just about yeah, to say that. Yeah, that theme, that Halloween theme is... <laughs> I can't whistle. But the like something Chris is saying like when we were talking about this is just the fact that that music not only defines this franchise, but the time of year is just so telling. Yeah. And the, the movie doesn't need any music other than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, just this one simple theme that's A, really well written. Yeah. And be really effective because you hear it and you know. Like, that's when you're passive, like, checking the frame to make sure Michael Myers yeah. isn't there. It turns into, like, frantic, he's I gotta a, find him a... before he jumps out and scares me. Um, I think there's one other song in the movie. And it's when they're in the car and they're listening to Don't Fear the Reaper. And I was well, like, there's the Boo. there's the fictional song that she sings about, like, I wish I could have you and me all alone or whatever. Yeah, but, like... In terms of, like, I was watching in the credits, and the only, like, song they had was, like, Don't Fear the Reaper. And I was yeah. like, that's dumb. I, but. speaking of other things that we love about this movie, there is truly no better horror movie ending than <gasps> Michael Myers falling out the window after Dr. Loomis <sighs> shoots him and being gone. God. Because it just cements this, like, randomness and the the paranoia and the fear that this movie is all about that like even in the peace of suburbia Mm -hmm. this truly evil force is capable of just invading upon that and destroying the peace killing at random and the fact that he's not caught or brought to justice it's so so scary all right the new halloween the new halloween so after five direct sequels to the original oh wait yeah i wanted to say Christopher, you, you've you done a bit. I've done recent. my research. Tell us about that. So Halloween is followed by a sequel that's like right directly after her going to the hospital, which is now removed because that sets up Michael Myers being her sister, which is something that every subsequent installment is fixated on. One second. A bit of background. Chris has watched every single Halloween movie. Yeah, I've seen movie. all of them. And I like, I genuinely like more than just tolerate three of them. The new one, the original, and the second Rob Zombie version. Okay. Um, but the thing that doesn't work about any of them, except the Rob Zombie versions in a weird way because that's doing something completely different, is the fact that they're all obsessed with finding a reason for why he would do this. Mm-hmm. But they, the fact that they can't reconcile the fact that he would just 
kill because that's what he does, that it has to be a druid curse <laughs> or the fact that they're siblings and he just loves killing his family or a combination of both or like this ritual that forces him to kill other people. Those d- like dilute the perfectness of the original because they try to turn it into something mythic or something supernatural and it's so scary because the original forces us to cope with the fact that he's just a dude yeah i what i really like about the new one is that it does bring it back to just this is a direct sequel to the first movie and it brings it back home so it can make it about more but not in a dumb way it's not about druid curses it's about the importance of intergenerational female strength and the lifelong effect that trauma can take upon a victim like yeah and we we already touched on this but it's my favorite aspect of this new movie and so i want to talk about it more the fact that it perfectly gets the core struggle for Lori, which is that she can't accept that this man is truly evil and just kills at random Mm -hmm. and neither can anyone else and that's so terrifying she spent her whole life scared of and preparing and because of this she raised her daughter to be this weird survivalist to the point where the daughter was taken away spoilers and it like destroyed the family like her life is devoted and defined by michael myers and i think you can make the argument that she's just another victim yeah she was i mean she was just a girl who appeared on the doorstep of his house and he decided i'm gonna kill her yeah and that's so tragic and terrifying to think about this woman whose entire life has been defined by um this random event and one of the questions that this movie poses that is not only terrifying but part of this new wave of horror that's like really sad thoughtful and meditative is does michael even remember laurie yeah and that's so chilling and i think the writing in the movie doesn't always necessarily understand jamie lee curtis's character but jamie lee curtis understands jamie lee curtis's character and her performance is amazing can we just talk about jamie lee curtis for a second hey she looks so good yeah i'm gonna buy activia give me some activia immediately i'm bathing in activia (laughs) i'm gonna smell terrible (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna smell like peach activia oh of course but no Lori is so compelling and sad and just i'm gonna curse kick ass a character like i think it's also even though it seems like the logical choice i think it's a really brave decision to complicate her more than just i mean this movie easily could have ended up as like an ultimate smackdown mm-hmm. match of like michael myers versus Lori. But the fact that it makes that more thoughtful with these questions of does he remember her? Why does she remember him? Like the way that this has affected her entire life. Like what happens when the final girl becomes a woman? Yeah. Like, that's a really great way to phrase that. Thank you. It's That's just... the title of your think piece. <laughs> of course. I'll have it up on Slate by the end of the week. Yeah. No, this movie is... So we follow Lori and mostly her granddaughter and her granddaughter is the way that we get into the usual oh time to kill some teenagers but it really does like I said become about like intergenerational female strength and I have a close slash 
dot 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 interesting relationship with my mother and grandmother and when i watched this movie i was immediately like i want to watch this with them like i think it also i'm disappointed in the response to this film yeah because so many people have been willing and like easily willing to just brush it off as like oh it's another halloween sequel it's another like capitalization on nostalgia and there are a bunch of lines that i I get it like oh you're the new loomis or like he only killed five people that's not that many yeah but i think that there's something deeper beneath those that you have to be willing to see i mean the he only killed five people is kind of a really sad thing to think about five when you when you reflect on the fact that like this is 2018 now and we don't even think of five people dying is like like we think of that as like oh i'm thankful that not more people died instead of like that's tragic five people lost their lives and then the way that it ties that into the emotional elements of the story for um jamie lee curtis's character is really thoughtful i never even considered that like little itty bit of social commentary with like he's like well considering everything that's going on he only killed five people like the fact that human life has been so devalued yeah is so wild yeah i think that this is a brilliant horror sequel and like a brilliant franchise revitalization because this happens a lot now where it's like we're gonna take something old out and dust it off and usually it just feels like it's for more money. But here we have a really, really talented director, a first-time horror director, yes. which is amazing, what? who understands, A, the most important thing, why the original worked and was so brilliant, B, what has changed for the characters since then, and C, what has changed in our world since then. And it nails all of those. I think one of the reasons why this movie is fantastic is because it's made by people who were obviously fans of the original. Like it's because it's because it has I been would, so long. I would change the word fans to lovers. Yeah, well, there you go. Because it has been so long, like these are people who grew up with this movie. Like Danny McBride, the side actor in every comedy movie you've ever seen in the past like 10 years, was one of the writers of the movie. Like, these are people who just have a genuine love and appreciation and respect and understanding of the original, which is why those callbacks to the original, like, oh, you're the new Loomis, um, or even, like, uh, the granddaughter is at school, and it's the same shot as when Lori was at school and zooms in on her, and then she looks out the window. And the original, when Lori looked out the window, was Michael. And in this one, when the granddaughter looks out the window, it's Lori. But I think that's the perfect... um, Like example of why this is a great movie is that it does have these callbacks in the same way that like, you know, The Force Awakens did. But there's so much purpose and thought behind them. It's not just like, hey, recognize this shot. It's like, hey, recognize this shot. And then a subversion of that. And even I would argue that with the you're the new Loomis thing because of things that I'm not going to spoil that subvert that expectation of that character and then say something about the effect that. Michael has on people, which is another thing that I really like about this film is that it considers the implications of an evil beast that just wants to kill and like that, like what the realization that that's just a human being does to you. Like what something like something like Michael Myers existing, how does that affect people other than stabbing them? Yeah. Like, I mean, and 
this entire series has been defined by that question. There have been numerous terrible sequels that try to explain it or m- I kind of like it. the I li- I kind of like Halloween three. Well, that's not about Michael Myers. I know that's why I like it. That's why it works. <laughs> um, and then there have been ones that semi successfully dive down the rabbit hole of like what if there's more to him than just a desire to kill and how does that change people? And then you end up with Halloween fire walk with me, <laughs> David Lynch joke. God. Um, but this one gets it for the first time since the original because it just keeps it simple to, yes, Michael Myers is a man who exists to just kill at random. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. I knew this movie was going to be dope from just like watching the opening credits yes we gotta talk about the score if i didn't think that you could make the halloween theme any more iconic but then john carpenter did the score for this movie and incorporated Uh, synth uh chris has been listening to it at the gym yeah i listened to it at the gym yesterday it's good it's like good you can just put it on me like i'm running from michael Michael myers Myers. i i want to watch this movie again yeah i'm gonna go see it again let's go let's go i don't have i'm broke so i can't alas all right i think that's enough yeah i think that we love these movies i hope that this is one of those i think whenever there's a big new franchise movie they're too they're never liked widely to begin with they're either loved initially like the force awakens and then a lot of people are like well maybe it's more shallow than we thought or they're like The Last Jedi and they're genuinely challenging and people initially are like, no, screw that. I don't want it. Yeah. And it's weird that I think people have lumped this into like The Force Awakens category and already hate it because they're like, well, it's just full of callbacks. But they're thoughtful. They're subversive. So good. They're unexpected. This is, dare I say it, This is this The Last Jedi of Halloween movies? It is coming from someone who thinks The Last Jedi is one of the best Star Wars movies. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to agree with that statement, but I'd like to applaud you for making such a bold statement. Yeah, that's a hot take. That is People a pretty are unsubscribing hot take. as I speak. Does, does anyone subscribe? Blocking our Twitter that doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> oh, boo. I'm, I'm editing that out. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Halloween. Good. Good movie. Good film. Good film. All right, that's it for this episode. I have been Annie Aguiar. I am Chris Forrester. And And we we will will be be back. back next episode. Thank you so much.